Hey guys, this is John and Austin, and this is another episode of the Meatgistics podcast, a VSE, a very special episode. We've got something that hopefully is tasty to eat. I don't care if you like it or not, you're going to eat as much of it as I put on your plate. <laughs> I killed this deer for us. It. It, my my first initial comment is they look like very small backstraps. <laughs> oh, I cut them into pieces. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It obviously, it's not the it's entire It's three backstrap. times the size of that. Yeah, it, <laughs> I cut them into thirds. Okay. Um, so this is a deer that I shot, and we will get to that story in great detail. Um, but I've got two different ones here. We used our new Walton's 30 milliliter injector, and this thing... Is so far superior to the yellow one to that it's one. not even in the same category. This thing killed it. It did an awesome job. And it just, it sucks up so much more than the other one uh -huh. and injects so much just more. So this thing is absolutely phenomenal. Um, just if you want a good deal on it, join us for our uh, Cyber Monday live stream. I am positive that we will have some flash sales on this. Even some of the, just the, the small added touches, like the, the bottom of the I feed tube, it. having the, yeah, the weight with the spring on yeah. it. Like you would think, why do you need a spring? But no, that's, that's nice. Cause normally with the, with our, with our old model, we still have the other one. Um, it's less expensive, um, but it is not as nice of a unit, but the, the way the feed tube is like, I do struggle at times keeping it yep. in the solution. I'm trying to like clip it to the side that will end up being a lot better on this, this new model. Only complaint is, is a little ridiculously long. I mean, I can almost poke you with this from over here without undoing my arm. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah, that's that sharp. sharp. It's like a booster shot. That one that got him through his jacket. It's like every cartoon in the fifties, the size of a syringe. <laughs> All right. So that's that. All right. So what did we do? We did pause black bull and rub the outside with wild game. We did the Argentinian uh, barbecue and rubbed the outside with the zesty. Which one do you want to try first? Oh, I would probably say the pause because okay. I feel like that one, that flavor will be able to get rid of easier than the citrus. I feel like the citrus might linger longer and kind of cover the other one. Okay. Fair point. I might be wrong. Fair point. Know. So that is just a gorgeous. That does look amazing. <laughs> so. Oh wow, that is tender. So do we get it's the story? Do we get the hunting stories quite yet? Or nope, do we no, have we'll a get to it later? after okay. a, uh, a flavor review. Perfect. After this poor deer committed suicide mm. in front of John. <laughs> choo choo choo. That's excellent. That's very good. Uh -huh. I actually think I like that better than the one we made a couple of years ago. The rump roast or the okay. That was the one that we created like a glaze for. But I think I like this one better. Now, that is the pause black bull that is discontinued. Yeah. So according to Austin, the other one's better. I yeah, don't think it is. The other one is better. It's just not soluble. So you can't inject it. You, you have to marinate. Said you can inject it. No, your his no. dad said that. Your dad said you can inject it. Okay. It's okay. 
<laughs> One could probably say you could inject it. You can try to inject anything. The problem is, is that when the particle size is big enough, you're going to eventually clog holes in your injector. Mm -hmm. If I was a commercial guy and I'm running like an auto injector with like a conveyor system come down where it's just hitting it and the meat's moving on, like I would probably not use the regular pause in there because if, if you clog up all your, your artery needles, like it's going to be a pain to clean. If you're a guy at home and you're using one of our 30 milliliter injectors, so what? You clog the needle, you take it off, you rinse it under some hot water, you're good to go again. Okay. So it, it, uh, eat that second piece. What did we do? The One of the first things when we got the other injectors in, um, before the yellow one, actually, I think it was when we had the brown, gray, brown ones. Do you remember, remember those? No. Same, almost same exact thing as the yellow ones. Um, really not enough difference to really make note of anything, but I tried doing, um, Asian, Asian Sriracha, uh, and injecting that. And there's chunks of red pepper flakes. Oh yeah. That. That's not cool. And it worked. It's just, I had, I had to stop and unclog the thing every <laughs> five or six pumps. Right. And so it took a long time to do. It worked, but it was not ideal. But if you want the pause black bull flavor in there, you can use, you can use the non-soluble. I'll it's bet possible. you you could run it through a blender and get it to break down enough. Uh, yeah. Like a little coffee grinder. Yeah. Um, I used to do that as a kid with like take coffee grinder and put sugar in it and <laughs> turn it into powdered sugar. Just, I, I didn't need it just because right, just it was fun. Yeah, just wanted to. All right, so Paws Black Bull with the Wild Game seasoning is absolutely a hit. Let's try. Now, this is the Argentinian barbecue, Argentinian, however you say it. So this is the one that you mix up. Then you have to strain out the parts before you inject it. I remember, because it says it's an injectable one. It's even got injection um, instructions on it. But when I first opened it, I was like, well, it's got way too big of particles. And that's when Excalibur told me, oh, no, you have to strain that. That seems like a lot of work. Yeah. That one. That's so good. That one, that one, that one. Oh, wow. I thought I was 100% not going to like this as much. Oh, my good Lord. The zesty with the, with the Argentinian works so well i will say that you cooked it well maybe you shot a good deer mm -hmm. but i think some of it is we just we hit a home run with our zesty citrus mojo like that stuff is good on everything you probably cut these and cut that in half no, do whatever you want um okay so it was a. Uh, I i mean the deer was probably two years old so that does help like the younger the deer is, generally the better it's going to taste. Same thing, I guess, is like veal. Um, also, I mean, I shot it. I sprayed it with our wild game rub that we now sell in a... <laughs> what, are you laughing at the blood on it? Wild game rinse. Oh, rinse. Yes. Not <laughs> wild rub. game rub. Yeah, no, no. Uh, that we now sell. It comes in a spray bottle uh, with the correct amount to do the whole spray bottle. Uh, I then, obviously I field dressed it, skinned it and cut it up all within like 24 hours. So it wasn't like sitting around and it was cold out. So it was, it was a good, 
quick, clean butcher. Now, so on back to the story a little bit, we went Saturday morning. I went out at, I was at the blind, which is an hour away from here by five o'clock. That's not bad for hunting though. To have a, a, a good hunting spot within an hour of Wichita, totally acceptable. Five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Hunting, that's, how, that's what you gotta do. So I show up. First thing Adam says is, oh, you're not dressed nearly warm enough. Oh, no. Now, I grew, you- up, I grew up skiing, all sure. that, so I wasn't worried about that. I did forget that little hand warmer. Oh, thing. no. That sucked, because I could have used that. At one point, I was literally doing like <clears throat> yoga-like stru- stretches <laughs> in the blind to try and get like my core body temperature up. But anyways, it wasn't that bad. So I'm sitting there. Sun comes up, and I hear, uh, you know, that noise from over there. I look over, and there's these two bucks in this little field. And, you know, they stopped. They're looking at the blind a lot. But I was like, you know, I was going to let them go anyways because they were smaller than what I was hoping for. So they come over. They look at some stuff. Uh, they go to the feed area. Turns out that the raccoons had figured out how to unscrew the, the <laughs> feeder bottom. So they had just had been out there eating everything. So the deer went over there, checked out the feed for a little bit, and then took off. Then a female comes, <clears throat> a doe, and she comes to this field on the side, looks over at me, and just takes off. So Adam had told me to open the windows on the blind just a little bit, like just enough for the arrow to get out. So I had them open like this much, but I just had them like left them open. I didn't you know, no, I had to go and open it right as I was about to shoot. <laughs> so he's like, oh yeah, those deer saw you 100%. They're like, they know, you know, that yeah. your face is in there. So anyways, didn't shoot anything the first day, come back the next day. Um, I'm actually responding to a text from Adam and I look up and the deer's already out of the woods walking towards me. Now I'm through a blind that's got a pattern on the inside, plus there's some tall grass in between us. So I really did think it had more of a rack than it did. I didn't think it was huge. I knew it wasn't huge, but I was like, okay, this is a better two point buck. It was a two, it was two pointer. Um, so line up the shot and I'd been practicing with my crossbow like crazy, like I don't know how many hours I spend, probably like somewhere in between 10 and 20, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's all like after work or, you know, early in the morning. Anyways, so I line up my shot, take it, thing runs right at the blind to the point where I was like a quick second of, we're going to have a problem here. It's coming in. (laughs) Then it turns and runs up the thing. And I, you know, remember, don't, you know, let it run. No. I waited maybe 45 seconds and I was like, I got to know where it went. So I come out of the blind. I go over. I just first, I want to make sure like I did hit it. Right. So blood on the ground. I'm like, awesome. Following the blood, blood trail is like significant more than what I would have thought it would have been. So I was like, okay, this is probably a good shot. Walk like 20 yards up a hill and it was laying in the tall grass there. So I was just, I did reload the uh, crossbow first, just in case, you know, um, so I get back in the thing and I text Adam and like shot it, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, all right, I'm on my way. And I told him like, you know, I texted him I'm like, yeah, I went and found it. He's like, no, you should not have done that. You're very lucky, whatever. So, uh, he gets there. I drag it probably like around 200 yards, something like that. 
Um, but I had just gotten over COVID. In fact, the biggest problem that Saturday morning was like trying to stop myself from coughing because obviously they're going to know something's up if they see yeah. this area coughing or hear this area coughing. So uh, eventually the last like 100 yards is up a hill. So we threw it on the back of his uh, tailgate and drove it up there. Uh, field dressed it there. He dabbed his hand in some blood and put it on my face. He tried to get me to eat the deer testicles. That was not going to happen. <laughs> no. Um, and then I, so I took the heart throughout all the other awful um, and cut up some of the heart, gave it to my dogs. Then I ate the tenderloins that night. Cause I took the tenderloins out. Uh, the skinning, it wasn't bad. The problem was that I nicked it more than like, two or three times. So there's a decent amount of hair on the deer. So that was kind of a, a pain in the butt. I have um, a question. When you presented this heart to your dogs, was it like a trophy ceremony? Was it very, was it, <laughs> it was different than just giving them like normal yes. ground. You were like, Absolutely. guys, I got something. I got for something you. special for you. <laughs> so I gave one to Riggins, turned around, gave one to Brutus, gave another one to Riggins. Gave another one to Brutus. As I'm giving the one second one to Brutus, I looked down and realized that he just dropped his first one. So I was like, <laughs> oh, he doesn't want it. So I reached down and picked it up. And as I do that, he starts like, chewing the second one I gave him like crazy. And then I turned around and gave it to uh, Riggins. And he's pushing me from the back, trying to get his head around <laughs> to get it back. He's like, no, no, I wanted it. I wanted it. Um, so yeah, ate those. Then yesterday we did a, some social media stuff with just cutting it all up. Uh, and I've got like total of about 65 ish pounds of meat. Um, when you include the back straps and the tenderloins, and I'm going to turn that all into jerky and do a, a live stream tonight on it. So very cool, but fairly delicious. It is very good. Very, very happy with how that turned out. Sweet. Here is the arrow that killed it. <laughs> so the bolt, the boat bolt. Yes. Again, I continuously do that. Um, it did go directly through the heart. Uh, so was it stuck or did it go? Through? Oh no, it went all the way through. Okay. It went all the way through and then like was facing back towards me. And one of the broadhead things had broken off. So I think either on the way in or the way out, it clipped like uh, he thinks either a rib or a shoulder, but I mean, the heart was perfectly pierced. One of the lungs was pierced and all the blood on it was like, really really dark so it was uh it was basically exactly what i wanted which was a perfect shot and just quick like no i didn't have to track it for a mile anything like that so you'd you'd, you'd say it was an ethical kill oh yeah for sure. sure yeah i wasn't like i wasn't gonna take any shot beyond probably like 40 yards would be my absolute max and this was at like 25 so it was i mean it was a fairly simple shot Part. Why are we laughing about the ethical part? I don't get it. What did I do? Oh, with your piece of mail. Or you have something oh. on the table. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Speaking of Perfect ethical, segue, yeah. uh, <laughs> Hell was wrong. And there is actually a pamphlet that Peto will send to are you. Are you even allowed to open it? It doesn't have your name on it. Uh, Juan Trem. <laughs> <laughs> on the back, it says, and speciesism. We too feel pain, love, joy, and fear. And it is a chimpanzee, which I believe, I believe a chimpanzee feels joy and fear. 
Oh, I, yeah, I think. Uh, I yeah. don't know that I believe a mouse or a chicken does. Oh, sure. I don't know. I bet most animals do experience emotions of sorts. They're not like human emotions by any yeah. means. But do they have emotions? Sure. They just don't have a, con- they don't have a, a mouse? conscience. You think a mouse experiences joy? Sure. Joy is, Ma- I, I when think. When it's a- making other mice. Sure. I don't even think that's joy. I, I think that's a strong yeah. word. That's why I'm saying like emotions. Have you ever seen the videos of the silverback gorilla dancing in the water? I have seen that. It spins it's, around. It's so, amazing. Yeah. Huh. Like it is clearly having like the time of its life. It's spinning around on its heels, slapping the water, having a grand old time. Hmm. Like that I see is like joy. A mouse, it's happy. It's eating something or making other mice. Well, hold on. Stuart Little. Have you never... <laughs> <laughs> he could drive. He could drive a car, dude. All right, so let's see what's in this pita. Fairly hefty package. So right. we, we have not opened this before. We have not opened we it. We wanted it. to do this live. It starts off with a lie. Oh no! I oh wow. I am not bacon. It's a picture of a pig, and it says, "I am not bacon." Well, I am a living being just like you. Y- you they, are a living being. You are not like me. They they are right though because that's that pig is so small that all you would end up is with bacon ends. Fair you wouldn't point. end up with actual bacon bacon. <laughs> Plus, it's not bacon unless it has the correct ingoing <laughs> well, that, parts of nitrate, and that looked like a little piglet almost. So we got to fatten it up first. So. Yes. All right. So pita, vegan starter kit, fight climate change with your fork. Live longer, live better. Definitely not. I've seen many vegans who look extremely unhealthy. And prosper. Is that on there? Save animals every time you sit down to eat. Or eat animals every time you sit down to eat. Why should I go vegan? Uh, So we have a... Hold on. Can you eat a piece of deer while you eat it? Sure. Um, Do it for the animals. Your health and the planet. Says it's easier than ever to go vegan. Look, even look what a poor job they did putting this together. The paper, look at where that staple is. The paper sounds. Yeah, <laughs> that's not very good. That state, it's stapled for a binding instead of anything else in the staple. This one in there they is got right, really bad. Like one of them's on the seam, the other one's about a half an inch in from the seam. Mm-hmm. Whatever. <laughs> Maybe they realized it at the last second. They're like, this guy's not a vegan. <laughs> uh, easy ways to make the transition. So it's just got some trifo meats and non-dairy products. That's right. They don't even eat cheese or dairy. Man. What a terrible way to live. I could, to be honest, I could get the like the vegetarian side of things. Like if I had to, I could go vegetarian. Like if I had to, could not go vegan. Cannot, okay. cannot live without cheese. Cannot live without my dairy products. I like cheese more than I like meat. Mm, oh, I could, I could would you hear that? far easier cut out dairy than I could meat. Wouldn't even be remotely close. Nah. You'd be way healthier doing John's like way. <laughs> five things I don't, or I put cheese on. There's pizza, tacos, wraps. Burgers. Sometimes burgers. And it, that might be it. And Mac. If, if I had a choice on what I ate every day. Um, as a grown adult, I don't have a choice in what I eat every day, but if I did, that, you have kids. that would be my, uh, my diet pretty much. Cause pizza covered about 90% of it oh, and yeah. <laughs> throw in the occasional wrap. If I could eat pizza with no ill health effects at every For meal, how like little amount of food, like sh- you see a whole pizza, you're like, I'll just have half of that. It's just like, that's that many calories. Yeah, like it's, it's not a lot of food no. visually. Sorry. No. 
And it's even worse because um, you're eating fats with carbs. Yeah. And those two things That's, together. I love how I didn't really discover that until show. 27 years old. <laughs> why did no one mention that before? Um, vegans eat what you eat. Milks and creams. None of them. They're all like almond milk or oat milk. Do we need any more milks? Like I'm seeing oat milk around a lot now. Why? We have milk know. milk, like regular, and then we've got almond milk. I don't think we need another nut milk. Mm. Me. Yeah. I'm indifferent. It's all to be honest, I don't I don't mind most of the different milk variants there, but it's still not the same as just straight up whole milk. No. Straight up whole milk. Oh, it's yeah. killer. Um <laughs> then it's got beef and pork replacements. And one of them is that absolutely god awful vegan uh bacon, Ooh. which literally has the consistency of cardboard. I don't know why people eat it. I'm, that is one thing I always make fun of my wife when she eats. Like, how are you stomaching that? <laughs> uh, oh, it's got a whole chart recipe chart you can follow <laughs> for what to eat what day. First of all, I don't know what I'm eating most days. I'm not oh, gonna, certainly not going to plan out a vegan monthly meal. The colors just mean nothing on there? It's exactly. Just, <laughs> yep. I thought I was like, wait, r- critical, red. It's the uh, rainbow. Oh. I think that's it. And it's got some vegan recipes, which I'm sure are fine. There's probably nothing wrong with that. Beefless stew, but why? Blueberry pancakes. I mean, that sounds delicious, but don't you need butter for pancakes? Yeah. Not if you have butter sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> but that's made from I think it's butter, made from butter, I so yeah, I can yeah. do that. Uh, so yeah, then we're just talking a bunch about tofu. Um, an apple a day keeps the doctor away fight cancer with plants. We're going to talk about that later. Um, prevent and even reverse diabetes. You can, like that's a strong claim. I feel like that's, that's a strong true claim at all. Too. I don't no clue, but yeah. Early, yeah. I'm not. We can reverse early <laughs> warning signs. Um, unclog your arteries and protect your brain. Those are big claims. Fish free omega three. But is it bioavailable at all? Probably not. Then vegan for kids, you should be arrested. Uh, Look at how much you'll save. (laughs) It's just a casual, you should be arrested. If you're putting your child on a vegan, like, that is ethically wrong. I don't know. As long as you're getting them the proper nutrition. I refuse to move on this one. But... Yeah, as we're not designed to be getting... vegans. You want to know how I can tell? Because I have canine teeth, incisors that are designed to rip and tear flesh. I also have <laughs> molars that are designed to, you know, grind up leafy leafy vegetables and things like that. But if you yeah. look at like a true, like a cow or something's teeth, they don't look like our teeth. Yeah, ours are designed to rip flesh. <laughs> um, but look at how much you'll save. And it's a picture of a fish, which I like to eat. A pig, which I like to eat. A chicken, which I like to eat. These are all my favorite things. There's even lobster and cow. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't, man. Lobster. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Well, you, you should save rank, money on doctor bills. Hold on. Those animals, you should rank those in order. Of how much I like to eat them? Yeah. Number one is cow. Number two is lobster. Number three is pig. Number four is fish. And number five is chicken, which is unfortunate because that's probably close. If you removed lobster, it's that's almost exactly the opposite <laughs> of how, of of how you, much of I, yeah. Assume, yeah. Yeah, I eat so much chicken. Uh, eating animals harms the environment. Sure it does. 
Meet your meat. So this is uh, trying to humanize animals. These are great puns I'm going to use for the titles of all these episodes now. Too. Chickens are so smart that within hours of hatching, they can count to five. <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on. That doesn't say that. Yes, it does. That doesn't say yes, that. Yes, it does. Oh, my God. Pigs aren't the only animal Einstein's out there. Cows can learn how to push a lever to operate a drinking fountain when they're thirsty or press a button with their heads to release grain when they're hungry. Humans mm. can learn how to manipulate... <laughs> The Matter. insides of an atom to make yes, bombs. I think there's <laughs> like there's a there's a big difference and complication here on what what you can do. Oh man, it, they're, they're saying it happened to ring a bell as it got water and food. They're just uh, years ago. Actor James Cromwell, who's that? Never heard of him. Don't know. Uh, stopped eating pigs while filming the movie Babe. Oh, he's got to be the, <laughs> the old guy from Babe. The old so from if babe. you love a dog, you have to love a pig. It's the same. No, it's definitely not the same. We domesticated pigs to eat them we domesticated dogs to help guard the pigs and ourselves this is a fairly big difference fish are just like us <laughs> only in the exact opposite of every way <laughs> studies have shown that fish are fast learners and form complex relationships so they're really just trying to like humanize animals yeah, here and yeah. make you feel guilty for eating them the true story of one anonymous animal born into the food industry. Whatever. My biggest problem with PETA is the fact that they're just omit God, they're omitting like the F from P like people what for the ethical treatment of it. Like is <laughs> right. That's bogus. Can you come people, up with a new name? Again, people ethical treatment of people animals. for the uh, they're omitting the the f yeah. I'm not cool with it. So that's it. As a guy that, how have I never thought of that? As before? we rack our brain next door to try to come up with catchphrases and names of items and stuff like that, and here they are just just cheating, just phoning it in, just cheating. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> just cannot oh. stand Paul McCartney. Yeah. Oh, so annoying. Not a Beatles fan. Well, I heard that's I actually like the that's actually a lookalike that won a contest back in the '80s. So they replaced him too. Oh, I, I just, saw something about that in the last like, like uh, Elvis. Here. Really? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's crazy, though. I'm just excited that we actually got something from him. <laughs> so am I. I was pumped when I saw it. My wife, all, she's looking at the mail and she goes, Juan Trem? And I'm like, is she having a stroke? Why, what is she? I was like, oh my God, no, I know what that is. And it was I got, a PETA package. I got, so thank you to the people of PETA for sending that. We will ignore all of it. I got mail from a Rico Suave one time, like sent to my house. I'd only told mistakenly. One, well, I told a buddy about that. I was like, you ever hear this music video? Like a week before. So it must have been him applying to jobs under that pseudonym. So anyway, <laughs> wait, what year was this that you were introducing somebody to Rico Suave? Remember, I told you I watched a lot of the I love the 80s and 90s. Sure. VH1. So this is when he worked in the mall. So I must have been 15. So, so 15 years ago. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know what Patrick's talking about, I suggest you go look up Rico Suave. Rico. No, you might get mail as it. I think Suave. I was like part of like a weird cult and didn't realize it. Uh, but I do still have a uh, dough tag. So hopefully I will go and get that as well. Then this weekend we're going up to Colby. You're not coming, but we're going to go hunt pheasant and hopefully win a gun. Oh, is that where you? That's where you I won, won one last uh, year. Yeah. The golden boy. The problem is. 
there's so many people at that event or that event. And I think they only had like three guns that my chances of winning two year in a row are almost nil. Probably yeah. to the point where I just bought, um, the black Friday raffle deal from passing on outdoor mentor. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm debating whether or not I'm actually gonna spend a lot of money. If you put enough money in your odds are good. Right. But I could just put more money into the pass it on one. True. That makes more sense. Yeah, probably. But all right, we got anything else we want to talk about before we get to meet matters? Uh, nope. Okay. Let's go ahead. Uh, my computer was running super low on batteries, so I had it closed till now. So I'm... what is that? So our first story for the day, while John's getting ready, is um, actually the opposite of what I thought it was. As soon as I saw the title, I'm like, why? I don't want to I don't want to read another one of these, John. Why'd you put this in here? Um, I thought it was going to say red meat is bad for your health, Mm. but it's actually red meat is not a health risk. New study slams years of shoddy research. Yep. This is from Big Think. So it says studies have been linking red meat consumption to health problems like heart disease, stroke and cancer for years. But these invariably suffer from uh, method. I can't even say the word methodological limitations. Um, I have not read the whole thing. So you're going to have to chime in on stuff here, but to actually get a study out that shows the opposite of what we hear so much about makes me feel good. I like it partially just because I want to believe that eating red meat is good for you. Um, But um, so the the big the big uh, takeaway from this for me, at least, was that more and more people in the scientific community are either a waking up to this fact or becoming more brave to the point where they're willing to say something about it, about how uh, these studies that rely on people recording what they eat are essentially worthless for a couple of reasons. We've talked about it in the past. One, people lie about what they eat. If you want to see examples of that, go watch any dieting show where they have someone keep a food journal and then videotape them. They're like, oh, well, you ate about three times as many calories as you said. Um, and then they also don't factor in things like, does this person smoke? Uh, do they have a, you know, a history of this cancer in their family? There's all sorts of things and they just try and narrow it down to that one thing, uh, which, which is their diet. Um, but there are definitely some changing opinions in the scientific industry, which is excellent. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, while I was opening this, did you read the each year? No. Okay. So it says each year, hundreds of frankly lazy studies are published that simply attempt to find an observational link between some action, eating a food, for example, and a health outcome like death or disease. In the end, owing to sloppy methods, varying subject populations, and inconsistent statistical measures, everything, especially different foods, seem to be both associated and not associated with cancer. How is the lay public that is a weird way to say it. How is the lay public supposed to interpret this mess? Like the lay person I've heard, I've never heard lay public. Yeah. Interesting way to state it. Uh, The evidence for a direct vascular or health risk from eating meat regularly is very low to the point there is probably no risk. So go ahead and eat all the meat you want, especially if it's delicious venison that you killed yourself and feel good about that. 
They did say that they found like weak evidence between like a few different things, but at least what they, what they, they, they don't see any strong evidence that is typically what we're told. There's like, there's a strong likelihood you eat red meat and you're going to end up with this, 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 and this, but yeah, but it's weak and insufficient to make any type of conclusive recommendations yeah. on. Um, it says more rigorous, well-powered research is needed to better understand and quantify the relationship between consumption of unprocessed red meat and chronic disease. Again, there is no way to do this. There is no way to create a double-blind study. There is no way. You know, what are you going to do? Kidnap a child and just control their diet for their whole life? That's just, It's not possible. We just had a conversation about this and you wanted to throw people in prison. So we're just going to throw more people in prison. But then I would be in prison. Oh, no. The the doctors who kidnapped yeah, the kids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm fine with that. They can go to prison. Um, but they go on and then talk about the burden of proof tool. Uh, this is something we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was the one with the rating system, like the stars. Um, so we'll post the link to that because it is actually pretty interesting. You can look through and get some pretty cool information on there. Uh, it'll tell you like if it's a five star, that's like a really strong correlation. One star, which is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, means almost no correlation. So that one was with cancer and stroke. So everything you've been told about meat for the last however many years uh, by the mainstream media, by science journals, all the lie, all wrong. Don't be surprised by that, though. This is the same industry that tried to tell you that you needed to eat 11 servings of grains and carbs a day and that you should only eat a very small amount of fat and protein. Like They built the whole pyramid, our food pyramid, on things that are making us sick, fat, ill, and lazy. They do not want you healthy, prospering, and, you know, having energy. Also, I, th I think some of what you should and shouldn't eat is very much dependent upon who you are and sure. how your body reacts. It, there's not a one size fits all solution for Absolutely everyone. not. Yep. There are some people if they eat my brother-in-law, if he's in the house while we cook shellfish, he like just basically goes into anaphylactic shock. So yeah. You, to you told me about that. And he was like <laughs> hiding, hiding. out. So, all right. Let me tell the story real quick. Mark, my brother-in-law is uh, a like one of a kind determined person. Like he, he and my sister got in a fight when they were in high school and he walked home from our house. He lived like four towns away. <laughs> it would have taken him literally like 20 hours to walk that. But he was, he was, my sister went after him eventually and he wouldn't get in the car with her. So <laughs> he's very, very stubborn. Uh, somebody was cooking shrimp in a party he was at and just all of a sudden everyone's like, where's Mark? And he had gone and taken a ton of uh, Benadryl and was just hiding from my sister because he knew that she'd want to hit him with the EpiPen and make him go to the hospital. <laughs> he just doesn't want to. That's, Mark and I get along quite well. We're very similar in some ways. Okay, uh, moving on. We've got the FDA finds pesticides, undeclared colors, and heavy metals in imported foods. Uh, now, this is from the food safety news, uh, but they do have a link to the uh, FDA page. Here's my problem with all of this. In no documentation, do they show you what the products are that are coming in? Like they'll list things. Um, I think one of them, it calls it like a, 
a carbonated something drink, but it doesn't actually say what the product is. If you are finding things like pesticides and undeclared food coloring, which a lot of people have big problems with food coloring, you should list what those products are. Because as it is right now, this thing is basically telling us, oh, hey, don't trust any imported food. It could have pesticides or something else that you don't like in it. But random thought, but thinking of things that are like in foods that are bad for you. Um, in also what we were talking about with like with the different studies on red meat and some people take what they want to fit what they want sure. and what they like. Um, found something the other day that said uh, brown rice was bad for you compared to white rice because of arsenic levels. And I was like, heck yeah, I'm, I'm latching onto that sucker. Cause like my wife will, she, she'll always like, if you have white rice, brown rice, she's like, Oh, brown rice. No. Or, uh, that's been even settled like, for like 10 even like, years, like pasta. Like it could be anything like that. That's like, is there a white version or a dark version? I'm always like, I want the white version. I want the, I want the more processed one. <laughs> I think it tastes better, but the brown rice thing. So like, the brown rice, hate one, brown rice. So, I think all rice is brown to begin with, and mm -hmm. then it's processed. So it, it, it's arsenic in the husk, and it's being removed when it's processed. Can't get the same with the pasta. Pasta isn't the same thing. I but want yeah, it to be, though. For, I know you do. I want it to But be. for brown rice, yeah, don't eat brown rice. Eat white rice. It's way better for you. Way, way better. But I like how you try to get little extra things like, oh, this is true and I want it to be this way. So let's do that. Uh, this is an article your dad sent me. It says, uh, father and son bring decades of meat industry experience to a new shop in Hamilton. Um, so this is specialty meats. It's in Butler County. It says Chuck, who has 40 years in the industry and Jeremy, who has 30 years, Tulos. Um, these are the guys who are opening it. They're a father and son. They say that we've been talking about doing this for 30 years. And just for the past two, we decided we wanted to do something together. It's 22,000 square foot with two large smokehouses. Um, they, well, Chuck at least also owns double tea meats in Eatonville, Washington. Uh, and they are a customer of ours. So that's very exciting that they're opening a second location. Um, and man, they had a absolute ton of products uh, say like their real specialty is specifically like with smoked meats. So I can imagine walking into their retail shop would be just awesome. It's gotta be cool. It's, it's a, I mean, that's a fairly good sized place to just be opening up a place that it's 22,000 square feet and two large smokehouses. Cause a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the very small processors out there, um, they won't open up a place that's that size with two smokehouses. Most of the time people are like, uh, I don't want to spend all that on a smokehouse, but that's where you make yep. a big part of your money and you can make product that is so much different from everybody else is having a smokehouse because you can go get fresh raw meat from all over the place. You can go to Walmart and get steak. Smoke but, it and then charge a premium for mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it's when I was in customer service, that would be the one thing we would tell them is that is what you're going to make your money back on the fastest is your smoker. Like yep. if you're looking, you need a smoker and a, a, a grinder, just say that. Like if you want to cheap out on one of those, go with a smaller grinder, get the big smokehouse mm -hmm. with all the bells and whistles because that is going to make your money back more quickly. Um, this is just kind of a, 
an interesting article here. It says Bill Gates called out by farmer for secretly buying up U.S. farmland. I don't want him to control a single acre, it says. Uh, now, we've talked probably too much here about the whole Bill Gates owning a ton or a, a bunch of farmland stuff, but interesting that other people are are paying attention to it. And certainly it's good that people within the industry um, are doing it. I need to remember to like take notes as I come across things because I usually don't, but so I don't remember the exact numbers here, but I saw something the other day that was talking about automation in the farming industry. And it was like how, um, whether it's John Deere or whoever is working on like more and more uh, driverless tractors and combines and just all your equipment and everything. Cause like the stats were like, I don't know, 65% of farmers are over the age of 65 and like 85% of them are over the age of 55 or something like that. It was, it was, I, those are not the right numbers, but it sure, was something yeah, yeah. crazy like yeah, that, yeah. that in the next like 10, 20 years, almost every farmer out there is going to be retired. Okay. Most likely. But there is also a growing movement like amongst younger people to get into that industry. We're obviously for a ton of reasons, we're at a really interesting time, but one of them is sort of like this generational divide that's occurring. Um, you've got more younger people. When I'm saying younger, I'm talking like mid twenties, thirties, like, you know, I'm not talking about teenagers who are very, very concerned with where their food is coming from. Uh, what that process is of growing that food, not only from a, uh, you know, how they eat, but to be able to provide for and sustain their communities. So it's a really interesting time. And I, I, I think, uh, you'll continue to see more mass automation on the, or more automation on the massive huge farms, but I think you'll probably actually see a reverse, if anything, on the, the smaller local farms could be does it end up like the meat processing <laughs> industry where you got the big four controlling 80 plus percent of the market and then you have i mean there's tens of thousands of small meat processors out there across the country there's a lot of them it's just what they do is such a small percentage of the overall sure it could end up in that same split out well there's tens of thousands of uh small local farmers too and with things like what is it called the community Oh, I, we, I talked about it two weeks ago. Um, it's becoming more popular. Uh, people are like basically subscribing to a local farm and they're sending like, you know, whatever they have that's fresh that week. So it's like a food delivery service, but it's all local. That's cool. Yeah, it's a pretty cool idea. Um, but this is uh, Will Harris, who owns a 152-year-old family farm named White Oaks Pasture in Bluffton, Georgia, says he's concerns about Gates controlling farmland. His thoughts came in form of an open letter to Gates posted on his Facebook page. It says, just like I don't want a child abuser controlling even one child, I don't want him to control a single acre. I find that a little... <laughs> it's a little aggressive. Yeah, maybe a little over the top for an open letter that you're sending to Bill Gates. Yeah. I mean, this is not, you know... Little, little extreme. Yeah, you, maybe you could have found a different, different analogy. analogy be good. There, yeah, yeah, there you go. But uh, very, very interesting. Um, yeah, he's the single largest farm owner, farmland owner in America, and that's probably not something we want people like that uh, having a monopoly over. Um, 
the most, this isn't even food related, but we talked about it quickly and I just wanted to bring it up. Uh, the most common pain relief drug in the world induces risky behavior study shows. <laughs> so this is acetaminophen reduces people's, um, uh, aversion to risky behavior. Did we have an article on that one? Yeah. It's right in the middle there. The most common pain relief drug. Oh, there we go. Sweet. But it's just, that's really, really interesting. And I understand Brett that this is not food related, uh, but I just found that fascinating. Like we have so little idea about the chemical processes that go on inside our body and our brain. How many people have just taken acetaminophen tons of times because you're like, ah, I've got a little headache or something where they easily could have made it through without it and then did something that they wouldn't have done if their brain wasn't underneath or under that uh, chemical spell, for lack of a better word. Since 25% of the U.S. takes acetaminophen every week. That's yeah, crazy. That is insane. I, I like, to be honest, I, yeah, we're getting off topic because not food really, but so you and I were talking about this the last few days. Um, I, I don't take acetaminophen normally. The only reason I have been is because I was on like some sort of steroid. They said like, you cannot take ibuprofen with right. this. And so I'm like, well, I have yeah. a headache. I need, okay, I'm taking Tylenol, acetaminophen. But normally I go to ibuprofen. Right. Is this, what do you do? Something hurts. What are you taking? Oh, ibuprofen. ibuprofen. Like if I'm in a lot of pain, yeah, yeah, I'll take ibuprofen okay. for sure. I don't really take acetaminophen ever. Now, I mean, let's not act. There are downsides to ibuprofen for sure. Oh, don't yeah. tell me about those. And if you keep taking it, it's actually <laughs> going to cause the inflammation that you're trying to get it to fight. Yeah, you've told me that. Yeah. All right. But anyways, I found that kind of interesting. Um, the next one, let's not even talk about that. California has its own style of barbecue, but no one knows. Also, nobody cares because it, it's, it's the stupidest. It's the, uh, yeah, no. remember that grill that Colton had for like the Santa, whatever. Yeah. Santa Barbara. It, it's that. And it's stupid. Huh? Just like everything else that comes from California. Um, all right. So meat snacks, meat snacks market forecast to 2028. So COVID-19 impact and global analysis by type, source, category, and distribution. Interesting article, breaking it down just real quickly. Um, consumers are increasingly preferring organic, all-natural, and additive-free products. Therefore, manufacturers are launching certified organic products free of synthetic flavors, colors, additives, and genetically modified organisms. Now, um, very interesting that they call out uh, the additives and genetically modified organisms there because you're not genetically modifying it. But when you're taking a root vegetable and extracting its nitrite from it, I mean, it's no more of a natural process than if you make it chemically. And it's just marketing. That's yeah. all this entire, you know, no nitrites other than occur in nature is, it's just marketing. I, yeah, I think most of that is all it. I agree. It's mostly marketing because usually, yeah, the products that are like that, that are all natural additive free and they, and then they say no nitrites added. It's yep. like it, read, actually read the label, know what's actually in it. And it's not really true, no, but it's definitely not true. I, I it feel, it feels like every, like every, I don't know, 
few number of years, organic kind of tries to make Come another back. surge. Yep. And then everyone realizes, no, we don't want this. And it kind of goes back down. And then it tries to rear its ugly head again. But I, I don't, don't think it's that people don't want it. I think it's that people don't want to pay for it. They don't understand that. Yeah. Like the industry can't seem to get it around their head that there are a huge portion of not just America, but the world who don't have the extra money to pay, you know, double the amount for vegetables. They're just going to go with whatever looks like it's going to spoil furthest away and is the least expensive. So, yeah. Um, but it says the key players operating meat snacks include Tyson, Bridgeford, General Mills, Werner, uh, premium brands, Hormel, ConAgra, Link Snacks, Country Archer Provisions, uh, and Organic Valley, among others. Now, what I found interesting is another, they're leaving out a large portion of this, which is our customers, the small and medium-sized processor. As they continue to grow, one of the things that they are doing more of are things like snack sticks. Now, I didn't have a ton of time to spend breaking down how much of you know snack stick seasonings we've sold this year over previous years, but I did take the Willies with no MSG. And so when we're talking about the regular 25 pound, we're just about even this year as we were last year, right? So we're on the same level. Now, last year was a banner year. So right there, I mean, th that's pretty good. Wait, we're even now with what we did all of no, last no, no. year? We're e just like to the point to of the year. Yeah, okay. to the point of the year. But now if you go to the 50 pound bulk boxes, there we've sold as much this year as we did last year already. So with the rest of November and all of December, which are the busiest times, yeah. we've already sold the most of that. And same thing with uh, the 100 pound units. So Willie's is our best selling snack stick seasoning. So if we just take that as a touchstone, yes, our customers are absolutely also entering more into the meat snack market. I love it when you say meat snacks I, uh, because when, when you always win eventually, when, you when, always win eventually. When you first started working for me and you're like, <laughs> I, I would use meat snacks and you're like, no, it's not what you call it. And it's just, as time goes on, it's just going to just be used more and more. And I, every time I hear you say it, I'm going to laugh. Yes. Yes. You win. You always do. Um, all right. Next one is uh, 10 burger chains in the U S with the best quality meats. Now, only reason I'm bringing this up is because I only know one of these. I wanted to see if I'm weird. Burgerfy. Ever heard of that? No. Burgerfy? Fi. F-I. As a restaurant? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've heard of that. Oh, okay. Well, Shake Shack. All right. I'm sorry, too. Oh. So I've heard of Shake Shack. Muya. Oh, we used to have a Muya. This is one. Oh, wow. Hold on. Let me make sure I'm being loud enough on this one. Patrick is listening to make sure that you guys can hear him. Let's see. Perfect. Um, yeah, Muya. It's I for for around here. It was like uh, five six uh, years ago on uh, on West Street, and you'd walk in, and I immediately was intimidated because you have a little piece of paper that then has all the accoutrement that could be on the burger, and you like go and check mark through stuff. Okay, which is once you do it once, you go, oh, this is how I want to order. I don't even have to talk to people. I just. Like I'm robbing a bank here. Just slide that over and then they give me all the stuff. And so I, that you mark off that paper and then hand it to them. Yeah. So you can. And it, and it's one of those <laughs> places. I don't think it was that much extra per topping because it's like considered in the cost, I think. Sure. Um, but then it went by the wayside. And then one <laughs> there. This is an anecdotal thing, of course. Me and my brother walked in there on a Saturday. Right. 
we didn't know that uh, they closed the store down just to like have their family and friends there. Like oh. people that worked, but the doors weren't locked, of course. So we walk in, I'm standing in line, and the guy's like, Are you here with whatever? And I go, No, I'm here to try to get food. You was a restaurant. Right. He's like, Oh no, you can't. I go, Well, that's not very <laughs> welcoming and, of anybody. So well, huge surprise, they're gone now. Well, yeah, you know. So they yeah. got they got theirs. That's so. what happens. What else is on the list? Uh Epic Burger. Nope. Never heard of them. In and out. Obviously we know in and out. Everybody yes, has at least course. heard of B, the letter B, good. No. Elevation Burger. No. Culver's. It rings a bell, but uh, I don't know. Not, not to me. Tucker's Onion Burger. No. Is Mr. Beast Burger on there? Nope. Did you purposely skip one? I did. Okay. What was it? I was going to say, because if you haven't, you said you hadn't heard of yeah, like. I realized one. I'd heard of that one. Okay. Too. I was going to say, if you haven't heard of that one. That Fuddruckers. Oh, yeah. Fuddruckers is so good. Never been. I've never eaten there. Really? No. What's it's, the closest one? Let's make a day trip out of it. Oh, Kansas City? Doable. That's too far. Uh, I'm sure there's probably. If we're going up to Oak Kansas City. City, we're getting that pizza I like. Oh, yeah. Don't have to Can't twist remember. my Grinders. Mind. Sure, let's go. Yeah, if you're in Kansas City, check, check out Grinders Pizza. It is phenomenal. They make all their toppings there, too. Like, they make their pepperoni. They're They're legit. Like years ago, <laughs> went to the first Fuddruckers and like as time went on, like I did like legitimate research into what it would take to open up a franchise <laughs> because they are right. so good. And I just, there's no, there's no Fuddruckers in Wichita, but they're very particular, at least that when they it, were, I mean, it's, right. this has been, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago, okay. but very particular on where you can put one. It has to be in a certain mm. traffic count with certain number of houses near you and like, yeah, every everything to like have the location is very particular. Um, but like as a kid, we loved Fuddruckers because you you like order your burger and like all you get is uh, like a bun and uh, meat meat. Okay, and then you go and it's like a salad bar, but for your burger, and you, you load it up with it. all right. the stuff, and then uh, their potato wedges, killer, amazing, and they have. I, I don't know how big they are. When I was a kid, they looked like they were like 20 gallon containers. I'm sure they weren't that big, but of honey mustard and nacho cheese. Oh, and you could just go over great. there with your, your fry basket and just like <laughs> pump the deal and just so, have a swimming bowl of honey mustard. Did I hear it right that you said you you're given a burger and then you add your own toppings? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that is revolutionary. Like a buffet style. You get uh -huh. you and you just, Oh, why do I, I think like of, this? I think of Fuddruckers as like a Sam and Buster's. Is that not accurate? Dave and Buster's. Dave and Buster's. Sorry. Oh, no. I've never been to that place either. No. Me neither. <laughs> Dave and Buster's is just a sports bar that then has an adult Chuck E. Cheese hooked yeah, on. That's kind of what I thought Fuddruckers was too. Mm -mm. Is there no. not a fight at Dave and Buster's every night? There's got to be, right? It's drinking, it's food, and a little bit of competitiveness. So it's like. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that for sure. John and me, we're going to fight out of <laughs> Dave and Buster's. Um, so uh, Impossible Foods clears hurdle in imitation meat patent lawsuit. So Impossible Foods is suing a company called Motif um, over an ingredient called Hemami. Uh, it's a heme binding ingredient. A good quote from Motif, their CEO was, when you can't innovate, you litigate. <laughs> I thought that was a good quote. You don't know. Um, so whatever. They're keep tearing each other down. Your industry's doomed anyways. Um, 
Then there was an article that for some reason didn't post the actual link, but it's uh, JBS slowdown. It says the beef unit in, Amer- in North America reported adjusted earning before interest tax depreciation and amortization of 2.52 billion uh, reyes, reyes, uh, which is the Brazilian Brazil, dollar. Yeah, yeah. Um, a sharp 67.5 decline from a year ago. Now. You can obviously move, you can make your profits to a certain amount, whatever you want, just by respending that money. Um, but with EBITDA, since that's earnings before interest, all of that, that you really can't fudge that number too much, right? Oh, it's harder. I mean, you're going it, to, it, it's going to, I see it going up and down a lot easier if you include depreciation in there because that can just have a violent swing. But without it, this is yeah, before yeah. it, right? Pretty good number. So um, it, I'd be interested to see what, like, what did it talk about their revenue at all? Was their revenue changed much? Like, did they drop in revenue or did they just become less profitable? No, it dropped slightly. Uh, we're just talking about the North American market here, um, but it did drop slightly. <laughs> Um, but it was like, I think it was 6%, something like okay. that. But why the 67 or 60, yeah, 67.5% decline from a year ago. If their revenue dropped like just a little bit, but their overall margin dropped a lot. I mean, that could make sense just from the aspect of, um, you get to a certain point, like they, they're going to spend a lot and it's, they're going to break even at a certain point. And then they're going to be at, at, at an economy of scale to where, they can do more and it doesn't cost them right. a whole lot of anything extra. So you get to that point and then you just make bank past it. So okay. maybe their revenue fell far enough that they're, they've lost their economies of scale and they're just not. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Does that make That's, sense? Yeah, it does. That's why I wanted to bring that up with you. Um, it says inflation, or this is a new article, inflation raises meat prices. Farmers not seeing that money. Um, so this is a, article or i'm oh, sorry a quote from the gentleman they're interviewing it says the middleman the big stockyards the meat processing facilities the big retailers they're the ones that are making all the profit the farmers are seeing nothing we are staying exactly the same as we were five years ago and we're not seeing any increase in that the retailers and the meat processing facilities are really the ones making the money right now so that's interesting because i would say we hear from some of our customers that they're not making, you know, a ton more money than they used to, even though prices are going up. So if we trust that, then we remove uh, meat processing facilities, at least the, the medium sized one. What's left? The stick yards and the big retailers. So we know um, from the stockyards, that's what that means. Couldn't figure that out. I copied and pasted that. So that was in the article as stick yards, not stockyards. <clears throat> we know that there has been uh, some price fixing going on. Uh, there's numerous lawsuits on it out there right now. And you're talking to some ranchers who are saying by the time they show up, all the prices that are supposed to be you know, bid on have basically already been settled with the big guys. So how much just, I don't have a good word for it other than fraud is going on in our food industry. I mean, fraud's the wrong word for it, but how much backroom dealing, illegal, non-free market stuff is there? Is it the majority of stuff? 
I don't know. That's a hard thing to answer. Cause yeah, uh, the way, you, yeah, the, the way it looks just from the surface level, the optics of things and how prices are changing, it looks like everybody should be making money hand over fist. Right. And not everybody is. Somebody is somewhere in there. Yep. But how that happens, I don't know. Um, so a biotech reg- revolution could fix farming's role in climate change is from Barron's. Um, this is a quote from it. it says, that's why we leap it. Uh, <clears throat> that's why we at Leaps are excited about the prospect of emerging biotechnologies to supply alternatives. What if, for example, plants could draw nitrogen directly from the air to use as a fertilizer? In fact, 70% of our air is nitrogen, oxygen is only about 21%. But atmospheric nitrogen is unusable for plants. It's a bit like being thirsty in the middle of the ocean. Mm. You're trying to fight climate change and changes to our environment, and your plan is to genetically engineer plants to be able to suck nitrogen directly from the environment. That's like literally the worst plan I've ever heard in my entire life. No, you're going to, this is how every dystopian, this is what was the movie with Marky Mark and the plants. That's this is how that started. The happening, the happening. They taught the plants how to take nitrogen right from the environment and they created a bunch of little shop shop of horrors plants. Yeah. This is a bad plan. Didn't we just talk about an article that was talking about organic, all natural, Mm -hmm. non-GMO? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I I don't think we can have both sides Of course you can. Sure. You just have to market it correctly. I thought Al Gore was dropping a big ice cube in the ocean every year or something. Yeah, no. Right? We're well past where there should be no more ice on Mount Fuji. Mm. Right? That was his big thing. All the ice was going to be gone from the top of Mount Fuji in like 10 years from an inconvenient truth. Oh, what year was that? Like 2000. He, he makes predictions two? all the time that are just yeah, way off. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All right. And the last um, article, which again has nothing to do with meat processing, but I found it interesting, says depression after COVID, symptoms to watch for and how to treat it. Mm. So, like, legitimate science going into. Um, not testing or not checking on in on people because of like the lockdown and stuff like that, but like physical changes and chemical changes in your brain mm. from recovering from COVID. Now they talked about some like people who are more at risk for it than others. And you know, we don't, what does it say? Tell me none of us fall into any of those real categories. Well, how do you know that? What were some, but I definitely feel like I was a much happier, more go get them person before I got my first <laughs> bout of COVID and I was tired mm-hmm. for six months. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm trying. I got to read the article now. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll post that. It's uh, from the New York Times. So I'll post that to uh, the Meatistics article for anyone who's interested in reading it. Austin has something he was about yeah, to say. Got it. So uh, I just had to look up a quick deal because, um, again, I don't take notes when I read things. and sure. I'm not really sure what I if I remember the numbers right. But uh, so, some of all that interests me uh, just because I deal with my own mental issues. Sure. Uh, I'm a crazy person. <laughs> um, but um saw something the other day that said Gen Z, it was like close to like 50% are diagnosed with like some sort of mental illness. Oh, so I just yeah. pulled up uh, an article and it was like, it's like 42%. It's crazy. What are we so talking ha- about for mental illness though? 
Any, yeah. Anything like anxiety from anxiety. Is a, anxiety. That's a, okay. A that's 100% on the spectrum. Yeah. The rise, though. There's a few reasons for that. What, the one thing I am I like more and more is, I talked about this a couple months ago, but there are more people that I either know, like, or like follow, and more and more people are saying like, alcohol, basically a poison for your body. Like it causes a whole host of after effects. And one of them absolutely is anxiety. I was talking about this with my friend last night. He's like, yeah, now if I have more than like one or two drinks, he's like, I wake up at three o'clock in the morning and just can't go back to bed. Like yep. can't lay in my bed, can't relax. And I'm like, that's what it is, man. I used, I used to have nightmares, like nonstop, like bed thrashing nightmares. And that was when I was drinking. Now I don't drink yeah. and I don't have nightmares. Yeah. It's, it yeah. plays a huge role on things. What you eat or drink, whatever, what you put in your body has a massive effect on so many different things. Oh, hundred percent. But as far as anxiety goes, here is probably the biggest culprit. Oh, phones. Right. Phones. Here. Yep. Being yeah. always connected to everything where anyone can reach out and get you at any time. Plus all the social media apps that people are using to just what's the flux of random ideas that you weren't even searching for in the first place and weren't ever <laughs> meant to come into contact no, with it's just, like i said someone you're just watching someone in their room enjoying their own time they just pressed record on it i'm just like what and then you fly swip, swipe up or it's just like 100 random you don't even have a, a choice of video thumbnail at that point i should have heard about and read about marxism in high school and then never heard or thought of it ever again instead you see people talking about it all the time. So do you, th do you think that a lot of that is like a bigger, is there a bigger influence from like environmental things like that or, or is, a, or a bigger influence on what people eat and what's oh, going in our bodies and how that reacts with things? Or is it just, it's everything. It's everything. But I would, I honestly, I would say it's probably more environment environmental than it is. Like our, our diets are terrible. I mean, our food are, is poison. Everything has seed oils in it or something that's going to cause inflammation. And inflammation is a, a huge cause of anxiety. Um, so that's all bad. But I, I just don't think it's as bad as this constant, whatever you want to call it, a digital collar mm. around you that's either wanting your attention all the time or allowing, not allowing you to be alone and disconnected. Not allowing you to have recharge time. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, all right. Well, that got a little far afield there, but, uh, last thing. Oh, you've got one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We it's So we talked about it right before the podcast last episode before Thanksgiving. Oh, so geez. we got to at least yeah. quickly talk about what are we doing for Thanksgiving <coughs> traditions or food you're eating? Um, like, um, we were talking right before and I was saying like, we're eating ham and turkey mm -hmm. and you're like what not one no we do both so like um this year for every year at walton's um as company we buy all the employees something they get to choose used to be everybody got a turkey and then we i heard the, steaks used to happen here. <laughs> steaks did used to happen steaks happened for a little I got bit here and then nope no more but, steaks it's changed over the years and it still does change i really i like what we're doing this year yeah, it seems pretty good um but this year we're doing uh turkey uh spiral sliced ham or like a 
snack sticks and cheese gift box. So I got a spiral sliced ham, spiral sliced ham and then I also needed a turkey still. So I have ham and turkey uh, for Thanksgiving. So I went to Walnut Valley. They called me right before the episode here and uh, left me a voicemail. So I have to go pick up my turkey. So I've got turkey and ham. What are you doing? Uh, so Crables called me yesterday. Uh, actually, while we were out to lunch and left a voicemail that they just needed a few more like little pieces of information from me and then all of that's good. So I will probably go up there early next week and eat that for Thanksgiving. My wife will probably eat chicken or something. So cool. <laughs> she's like, hold on. I, got, I brought my own chicken with me. She brings her own <laughs> chicken with her everywhere. That's fine. What do you do, Patrick? Um, whatever the ladies like to make, I oh, guess. So uh, Patrick doesn't cook. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. Like I was talking before we started, this company gets me in trouble because people assume I know exactly how to do everything John does on video. Right. Um, Which, I mean, you have picked up a decent yeah, amount by osmosis. It's just, if I had the amount of space here and everything prepped, like before we do a video, who couldn't knock that out? But then it's like, I'm running late to stuff already. <laughs> and then I got to do that. Uh, but I did uh, glaze that spiral ham. I glazed it with um, some Terrapin Ridge stuff, uh, apple, maple, bacon jam one year. Um, but yeah, I just played it safe and I grabbed the uh, charcuterie board of sorts, kind of like I said, the the meats and cheeses this yep. year. So I'll bring that as something that like, hey, look, I'm useful. Put it out on the table. <laughs> <laughs> do you have like stats on how many people picked what? Uh, I can't like, do you want like right now? Well, I don't, if you can, yeah, sure. What's the point of hanging out with the boss if we're not doing Cause that? I have to imagine the snack sticks were the f- main choice mm. just based on how much was made. Well, and I feel like people have had the turkey and ham in the past and they go, oh, let's try something new maybe, yeah. for, at least for the people that have been here. And so, cheeses. Some of it, the snack sticks we make a lot and we bought a lot extra because, um, we're making like twice as many boxes as we need because uh, uh, Brett Dillon and I are like, oh, well, we need uh, this yes. and this and this extra because like I'm going to, I've been working with FedEx a lot. Hopefully they don't listen to this. I'm oh, going nice. to give some to FedEx. Okay. I'm going to give, we'll send stuff some to the Ron Shira guys. Rosoyo. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's, I sense. have a whole list of like vendors and customers um, that okay. I want to send stuff to. Right. Brett has his whole list. Dylan has his whole list. So, we're, we're that kind of knocks out my idea or my thought then because I was pretty sure sound pretty good yes. not to interrupt but some of those I don't think we've had but no. like one's like a tomato basil yeah that's from a customer of ours they do it yeah. like separately that so sounds Dylan awesome. hooked us up with that so I'm I'm very much excited yeah, that's for gonna, that. yeah I'm pumped for that oh. yeah, it'll just be like every other year though I'm gonna eat the, like last year <laughs> the, the cheese, cheese thing I did yeah. it right away like I ate it oh, that yeah, night yeah, I was yeah. just like oh this cheese is amazing Two biter. I don't even think the box left the building. Did it ever make it home? Yeah, it probably made it home at some point. Should find a good gourmet cracker to go with. I'm a Ritz guy. I keep it simple. Not a cracker guy. Not Mm-mm. nothing. You don't have a base for your. Well, I guess what you just talked about it. You're, you don't want to add carbs with meat at the same time. So yeah. I don't know if that's the reason or if I just don't like crackers. <laughs> well, you know why? I my my generation loves this because we grew up on lunchables. So <laughs> yeah. That's and, actually and a lot of point. people, you're supposed to leave the lunch bowl open face, otherwise you run out of crackers. So you don't know <laughs> but that. But you as a would kid. double up. Well, yeah. Yeah, of course. My mom would send me two lunchables, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Austin is I can't. I can't do it. No worries. No worries. Um, but we made a ton of snack sticks. Sweet. Or Dylan made a ton of snack sticks. Threw around we very loosely there. He was, yeah. 
He was in there for a long time. They were, it, Brett was even, yeah, him and Brett were in there yeah. a lot because Brett did all the, I don't, I don't know if all, all he did a, a lot, lot of, of, a lot of the cutting. Yep. Dylan was trying to work on the roll stock machine and stuff. He finally gave up on that and then hauled in a bunch of his sales, a bunch of his sales guys to, and they, they pulled out the vac machine from in here. They pulled every vac machine they could get their yeah. hands on and were vacuuming everything. So roll stocking real quick on that. Um, we did a side by side comparison with ours and uh, another chambered machine that we're maybe consider considering bringing in. Um, and they both did about a hundred bags, um, or a hundred cycles, uh, and both worked really well. So, all right, cool. Sweet. We'll see you guys next time. Happy Thanksgiving. You, you heard the thunderous done. That means, done. that means the podcast is over folks. See you later. Thanks. Thanks for checking out the meat logistics podcast to shop everything but the meat head on over to Waltons.com. To get your meat processing questions answered by experts and enthusiasts alike, head on over to our online community at meatgistics.com. Walton's, everything but the meat.